Hello, welcome to Cosmic Halitosis. We're back, and better <laughs> than ever. One of us even has a new pair of sports sandals oh, to Jesus Christ. It. <laughs> <laughs> I told Tamba he should pretend to do a spot con about his new pair of Don't. unnamed brand sports sandals that just came yeah. in the mail. It's like we could pretend that we're a fancy podcast with sponsors. And then, then you fake it till you make it, and then you become sponsored by blank sports sandals. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it would be more funny if it was something, like, ridiculous. Like what? I don't know. Oat milk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so I was like, let's do a podcast, because remember when we were, like, doing, okay, do we want to one up? Well, we're not yeah. now. We're not going to talk about how we never do podcasts, and then we say we're going to do podcasts, that subject's boring for our listeners, but we were like, what should we do a podcast about? And you were like, sex. Yeah. <laughs> My one track mind. You yes. Know. All it's I all, can think about. That's all I think about. Sex. Ever. Let me turn this down a little. We're clipping. Um, so yeah, we're just going to freestyle a little conversation about, uh, about sex. Because we've been having conversations about sex in our relationship. And I think it's interesting, particularly anyone who's in a partnership or a relationship that has some visibility online and appears one way to people, it's, I think, nice to also realize, obviously, I think people know this, if they have any common sense, that like there's a lot of work and negotiation that goes into sustaining relationship, right? For sure. Um, I think... There's there can be like a minefield kind of getting to that realization though because we're not really socialized or raised to have open communication like I don't know about a lot of things I feel mm-hmm. like so much of our upbringings at least um, in this country is is like behind veneers of mm-hmm. what we think we're supposed to be doing or what we think other people want to see we're not it would be so much easier if we could be like more open and honest and yeah what we think looks good yeah. what we think appears stable all of yeah. that i mean it starts with like like our parents or whatever you mm-hmm. know like this whole idea that you know parents have it all figured out and don't question your parents and mm. that kind of like instills in us this like it's not a good starting place Mm-mm. really i feel like i think about that a lot especially with like my parents divorce because they didn't really tell us shit about what was going on there's a lot of uh, I won't call it malicious deception but there's definitely deception there and that kind of like I mean this is going off into a whole nother direction but yeah we led at least me I don't know I haven't talked recently with my brother and sister about it but a whole lot of like misconceptions about what caused it and self-blaming and Mm -hmm. all these other things and then later in life when I um, my dad still won't really talk to me about it, but my my mom has opened up to me about some of this stuff, and she's like, why didn't you just tell us what the fuck was going on? Yeah. <laughs> like. I wonder why. I think it's, I think it's kind of like a trying to protect the kids kind of thing, but you're not really protecting them by not being real. I mean, you don't have to get into, like, the crazy little details about what's going on, but yeah. just, you know, I don't know keeping them aware so that one day it's not just like oh and this is and this whole world that i've known is now dissolved yeah yeah i mean there is a lot of like open conflict in my house 
which is like it's like the opposite almost of what you experienced of like no conflict and then the marriage dissolved right yeah well it wasn't no conflict i mean my parents wouldn't really argue in front of us or right. anything like that that's what like, i mean they never Open like conflict. screamed at each other but I, I definitely heard them debating and like mm. you know having disagreements but it was never like yelling or cu- mm. cursing at each other or anything like mm. that yeah, there was a lot of open conflict in my household, but also, uh, I think just, like, not... There was, like, when my parents would fight, I feel like there was the, f- like, my brother would be like, they're gonna get a divorce. Because that was, like, the great fear, I think, for children. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had that fear or ha- had knowledge of that fear before your parents divorced, but for us it was like, <gasps> divorce is like the worst thing that can happen to you as a child, which is interesting, because it's like not, it's not really your relationship, it's their relationship yeah. affecting you in this huge way. But yeah, I don't, I mean, you can see like, as a dependent though, that's right. kind of like your whole right. worldview is based off of, you know, that stability, whatever p- mm. parents or parent you have mm-hmm. or yeah anyway why were we talking about that because of oh, we're uh, talking the veneer about, of yeah not not being people, people not um not not real most people not really being modeled like communication mm-hmm. skills mm-hmm. um yeah so we you know since we first got together you you i think especially have been always so vocal about keeping everything on the table which is one really wonderful thing that like I think I've grown in this relationship to be better at you know keeping all all the cards on the table all the time you know yes um and yeah so we've been I guess dealing recently with being together for three years and our sex life changing over the course of three years um what do they call that first stage of relationship when you're like... Oh, like NRE, new relationship energy? Yeah, but there's a word for it where like when you first fall in love... Honeymoon phase? It's it's the honeymoon phase, but there's a different word for it. Let me look it up oh. real quick. Honeymoon phase word. <laughs> there's like a... There's like a... Let me see here. It's called... I didn't even know there was like a yeah. technical term. There's a synonym. There's like a it's like a scientific term for like kind of like the rush. Mini moon, family moon, honeymoon, elope moon. No, there's no elope moon. Well, anyway, you guys know what we mean. <laughs> that that honeymoon phase, which you know is said to last anywhere from like a year to three years, often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like. I think it's, like, there. there's, like, a natural, obviously predictable progression to relationships in that way, but there's also, like, I guess for me, like, a kind of mournful aspect to that, where it's, like, normal, you know, for, for to become comfortable and, like, um, kind of set in your relationship, but there's also, like, a mournful aspect to that of, like, those... It's not that, you know, you know, the feelings, like, of elation that we first felt when we met. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's no there's not nothing realistic about expecting that a, a same kind of elation to be like mm-hmm. still apparent every day. It's not that we're not excited about each other. Yeah, but. I mean, I I feel like I've listened to a couple. I can't remember the exact people talking about this, um, 
but like part of what makes that those beginning getting to know you times like so interesting is that it's also like scary because you don't mm. know who that person is and you're right. like really you're putting yourself out there and it's yeah it's danger I think is right it's 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 thrilling to us. Like, a certain yeah. element of danger is very thrilling. It's, like, that's why, like, a one-night stand can be so yeah. like, exciting or, or whatever. Kind of random hookups can be that way yeah. for some people. And I think, yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, that, that beginning of a relationship or beginning to get to know someone is, um, shit, where was I going on that? <laughs> it is this, Dangerous. yeah, it is this danger, it is this thrill, and then you know, as you feel like humans definitely like the way we're socialized to be in relationships is like, oh, you have to like settle down and like get serious and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think that kind of allowing uh, a routine or something to take over kind of like quashes that. And like one one of the, I I think it was a relationship researcher I was I think I told you about this too is like saying like a way to keep that or like keep the interesting things going with your partner is to do new things it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have to be sexual but like Mm -hmm. um that unpredictability that going into the unknown together Mm -hmm. um is a way to like kind of keep things moving and combat like a a Stagnation. stagnation yeah yeah I think that's, yeah, I think that's really interesting, too, because that's, I don't know, like, like, I don't know, I guess I'm a self-described kind of, like, adrenaline junkie. Right. But, like, yeah, I really feel like I have a interest and a thirst for, like, adventure and seeing what the unknown is, and I don't know exactly where that comes from. I feel like part of that is, like, the way I grew up. Mm. Like, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid. And it was always, like, something new, something um, different that I was going to have to, like, become accustomed to. And yet you married a curmudgeonly old (laughs) homebody of a cancer. I would not describe you as curmudgeonly. No, but I mean, I think, like, one of the things that has become apparent to you in our three years together is, like... While at the beginning of our relationship, like, I might have been more, not open, but more, like, I guess excited about doing a lot of new things and trying new things, I think you've noticed me be like, no, I'm really just happy at home, you know? Mm -hmm. Which to me is my, like, comfort zone and my safe space and a place that, like, I get a lot of personal gratification from. And I think... I think it's probably been, like, not exactly what you thought you signed up for or something. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? Because, like, um, like... Maybe in some ways. Yeah. But... Because it's, like, I'm a creature of comfort. Really. That doesn't mean I can't... I don't have the ability to push out there, but it's such a, like, mood-dependent thing for me, which yeah. we've had a lot of conversations about. Uh, about how your thirst for adventure and excitement is sometimes at odds with my need for comfort and stability. Yeah. You know, and being in my home space and being, uh, taking a lot of, like, alone time and space and recharge space that I need. You know, so those things are, like, 
they feel like it's been like that's been like a constant negotiation in our relationship yeah since literally i think our first week of dating when like you wanted i remember this one night you were like you wanted to stay over with me again for like the seventh night in a row or something i was like i really need a night alone and you were like crushed <laughs> like you were really really upset about it and i was like this is me and I was letting you know very early on, like, sometimes I need alone time. Sometimes I need to sleep alone. Sometimes I need to take a night to myself, you know? Yeah. Um, which t- which is antithetical to your nature, you know? What And whatever that you don't need that same kind of recharge. Because you have boundless energy, it seems like, you know? <laughs> and that's just like... But that's like a huge difference in who we are and how we relate that comes into play in all different aspects of our relationship right i think it's a good balance though also because i like the way i grew up i don't really feel like i've ever had well yeah i mean for me home base is more about the people i'm around than like a physical space Mm -hmm. and i think i've learned learned and be and been able to appreciate having like having like this place I call home, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being able to see, maybe I don't fully understand everything you get out of, um, Long needing... periods of time alone. Yeah. <laughs> well, not even just that, but, um, but yeah, it's like, it's opened my eyes to a different experience. Cause my, even though my, my, my experience is extremely, maybe it's not extremely rare, but it's different than most people your experience of moving around a lot yeah the way i grew up Mm. um i don't think a lot of people like you know when i started going to regular school and stuff and even like college and people like introduced me to their friend like hey these my best friends visiting i've known them since i was like five years old and i'm like i don't know anyone like that aside from my little brother and sister right um so yeah i think it's i think it's it's good to have that balance, like, and be able to, like, we're so alike in so many ways, and we're alike in, or dissimilar in other ways, too, yeah. and being able to respect and understand, like, our differences, right. and, like, when you say, like, hey, I need to s- sit home and read or whatever, and I can hear that, and be like, okay, cool, and respect that, and, like, I go out and go run in the morning and go do my adventuring, mm. adventuring shit running off the side of mountains and shit. Right, right. I know that that holds no interest for me. Probably never, <laughs> and probably never will. But, um, and for me to know, yeah, and, like, to know that it's, like, maybe uncomfortable for you to spend the amount of, like, relaxed time that I spend every day reading and looking at the internet and putting pieces of like a weird puzzle that I have in my head that I'm always working on together that's like really really valuable to me you know but it might look boring to most people you know like extremely boring but so yeah that kind of like I think finding that balance though can be difficult and after like three years too I think it's like finding how one person's need let's just say my need for that kind of time doesn't supersede your need for another thing Mm -hmm. you know like finding the give and take of that is interesting and then in terms of sex too i think like we've been trying to work out how to balance the different needs that we have for sex at this point you know or different types of sexual expression that we want to explore 
And I think these are things that we've also kept on the table and kept open to converse about since the beginning, which... Absolutely. Which to me is really good because then it doesn't like one day become like, we need to have a talk. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not... Like it can be, it can be a difficult conversation, but it's not a like, you know, impossible conversation. No. It's like, we've always talked about the things we're going to talk about. It's more just like when, when things begin to need to shift in a different direction, like that we have the language and communication skills to like make that happen. Yeah. I don't know how openly you want to talk about some of the things that we've been discussing. I guess we should have talked about that before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, we can say kind of vaguely that, like, we're looking at, uh, you know, we've we've always identified as non-monogamous. It's right there in our bio. Yes. Um, and we've always, I guess, defined that for ourselves in this relationship as... Um, uh, having sexual experiences with other people together, mm-hmm. right? That's like the majority, that's like the monogamish definition has been how we've talked about that, right? Yes. But one thing we've also always kept on the table is that, you know, I have my pace of doing things, which like we were just talking about, like I'm a, I'm really, I'm like a, a extroverted introvert. Like I'm someone who's very capable of going out and socializing and being a social butterfly, but my natural state is much more like let's stay home and like tend to my inner garden or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like kind of the beauty, the joy of being in a relationship for me is having this connection with someone I really love and care about. And that that is um, gives me a lot of the things that I need out of social interactions not everything. I no. wouldn't expect you to give me everything, but a lot of my needs are met here at home living with my partner. Yeah. Um, so socially, I feel like, the, and this is like a point of frustration for me sometimes because sometimes I want to be more social, but I feel like I'm tapped out socially. Yeah, you feel like you your battery... My battery is low for... just because I, I live with you and we interact all day every day. Yeah. Not always, but a lot of the time every day. And then I feel a little tapped out for other relationships that I want to nurture, friendships, you know? Mm-hmm. And then finding this form of non-monogamy that we've always kept open as an option in our relationship is also a struggle for me because the idea of dating and meeting people, new people, and parsing through these new relationships and then getting to the point of, like, figuring out, is this someone we want to sleep with? Okay, let's negotiate with that. It's like, all of that... Um, process feels daunting to me. Oh, it's work. It's definitely work. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of work, and I think especially after having found each other in the way we did, which was so easy. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. I had only been dating online for like a month when I met you, and you'd been doing it for a bit longer, you know. But yeah. it was just so easy. It's like a, I'm not gonna say we're spoiled, but I'm like. It'd be nice if everything was that easy <laughs> and things just clicked and people were on the same page and wanted yeah. the same thing. And I feel know. like it could be that easy, though, but socially we have a lot of work to do. I feel like it was easy for us because we had both gotten to a point where we could be, you know, honest with ourselves about what we wanted and honest with the people that we were meeting at that time. Yeah. And then we met and started kind of revealing our our wants, our needs, mm-hmm. our pages, who we are. And mm-hmm. we're just like, wow, wow, yeah, these, yeah. this is this is lining up very, like, yeah. 
beautifully. But you think and... most people aren't willing to put that information out there? Um, I don't know. I think just society-wise, we're not we're not at the level where everyone's ready to be that honest or is is it like ready to be that honest with themselves and look within and do the work that they need to get to that place maybe i don't i think it might just be a matter of like a matter of um uh compatibility too i don't think it's i don't think that's like really spot on to like judge people's where they are like yeah because it's like it's just we might have just happened to be compatible yeah you know and there might be uh, i mean like but i mean i feel like if we'd met each other like at different points in our life it probably wouldn't have worked no the same. no that's what that's more what i'm talking about is like we've reached <laughs> yeah. a certain level of experiences and learned yeah. from those experiences you know because we we live in a sick society our society is fucked up yeah. and there's i'd say it's very rare that someone very young is going to have their shit worked out right that's what I mean. Right. Which is why I have our settings on uh, the app set to not too low. We've <laughs> argued about this, about, like, so, you know, and looking, we're on um, the app uh, field. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Which is, like, an, a dating app specifically for group sex. Threesomes or more sums, right? Yeah. Um, and I think we had it, yeah, I think I think we had a, a conflict, an argument at one point about the age setting, and... I don't know. I can understand how you might think it's ageist of me to not want to date anyone. What what did I say? Under 21? 25. No, I don't want to date anyone under 21. <laughs> but I feel like we had it set to that and had matched with some people at that setting. And I was just kind of like, I don't know. I know. I know that there, of course, there are people who are super mature at that age. But I just ha- have a really hard time imagining... Uh, the kind of connection that I hope for in yeah. that experience with people who are younger than 21. Yeah. I, I'm not looking to meet anyone under 21. I know. For some <laughs> reason, we had our setting to that for a while, and I was like, what? Um, I don't know. I just... It, for me, it's hard to imagine ruling just like it is ruling out anyone, like, older, older than yeah. us. Like, I, And I get it. It's not... Me, I don't want to be ageist in that yeah, way, but... To me, it's really about who... The, I'm... If someone, like, is presenting something that is, like, oh, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. You're, you seem to be on the level, I'm willing to meet. Sure. Meet people. And that, but, and this is where I think I'm, like, I think for me, because my uh, ener- uh, social energy level is as such, like, I want to cast a wide net, but I want it to be a very specific net, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not that wide, actually. <laughs> it's, like, a <laughs> narrow, wide. a narrow, really uh, narrow weft, like, really effective net. On a narrow area that definitely has good fish in it only. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. I don't know either, but I don't, it's just like it's it's a it's tricky because it's it's an experience that I really want to have with you. And I mean, we've gone on dates and stuff, and those have been really enjoyable. But it's like finding the up pr- person or people who like we both feel great about, who feel great about us. It's like it's so much more exponentially difficult than just finding one oh, other for person. Sure. Definitely, <laughs> you know. And it's, uh, yeah, it can be a little, I guess, exhausting for me, but not that exhausting. And I guess when we, when we came back around to this conversation recently, it was like, I think it just takes me like kind of an ebbing and flowing of like being open to 
that um spending my energy on that yeah. experience and task and then other times where I just feel like I need to spend my energy on other things you know that's totally fair yeah but it can be difficult for you because you're somebody who is seeking, I have a lot of energy <laughs> you have a lot of energy and you're seeking continuing to seek exciting perhaps dangerous tumba danger <laughs> is one of his pseudonyms uh, see, seeking these experiences which like i want you to be fulfilled as a person just like i want to sit in my quiet time and that fulfills me i want you to be fulfilled in seeking experiences that are feeding your need yeah for uh novelty or new uh, information or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. so we've also had always had the discussion uh since the beginning of determining what non-monogamy meant for us was that you know this is an experience we would like to have together but i have said if it's not possible to have together then you know we can negotiate you uh following that line of inquiry yeah <laughs> on your own you know and kind of i think from the beginning yeah also saying like we understand like the nature of relationships is fluid. Like it, we're going to be growing, we're going to be changing. Like our wants and needs may may change and grow as we do as well. So like the definition of what that means to us, like we're open to that. Like mm-hmm. flexing and changing, however it needs to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then after that conversation, I guess I, I don't. I decided I also wanted to take off my collar for a, a period of time. Which was something uh, I haven't done in three years. Right? Well, you had um, I think I think we wrote into the contract like you have uh, break days. Right. Like, was it once a month? I can't. Like remember around my period, was. I was feeling like I would feel like the the collar that Tama got me the eternity collar is like really pretty heavy, and it like kind of changes the way I sleep because I'm like adjusting my neck to it and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. something that I'm super aware of wearing. Pretty much all the time. Um, but one of the things that occurred to me in this conversation we had recently was like thinking about what the caller meant to me when you first gifted it with me mm-hmm. and gifted me with uh, wearing your collar, which was something that I felt really strongly drawn to do shortly after we met, even though I'd never in my life wanted to wear a collar. I'd never really thought about it. I'd never really been like someday I'm gonna wear someone's collar <laughs> because it m- that part of my sexuality was something that had never been sparked by a partner before. Yeah. Um, meaning feeling, I guess, submissive, submissive or, um, yeah, mostly just like I wanted to explore my submissiveness with a partner. I'd always been much more drawn to, um, the dom role or the dominant role. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we, you got me that collar and for us it also symbolized like an engagement ring because we, yeah. we had decided at that point that we wanted to elope, <laughs> <laughs> which you could listen to our first episode of the podcast about. Um, and I was going on a trip uh, without Tempa shortly after we met and fell in love and it was like very comforting for me to wear that when I was away and I feel like it gave us both like a sense of security and comfort to yeah. have that like physical indicator of our commitment to each other. Right. Yeah. Very special. Very special. Um, but in this conversation we are having, I, I've 
I think I've been like hinting, not not <laughs> subtly about what. Uh, nothing. I think kind of blew wind in the mic. Oh, I think I've been hinting like not subtly for a while that I'm interested in uh like plating or what is it called electroplating powder coating. Yeah, I think plating from. What we've been looking at plating seems like a better, more been, durable option. I've been interested in uh, electroplating my collar, which is currently electroplated black, to a different color that's more my palette <laughs> <laughs> aesthetic, like a rose gold or a copper or something like that. And you seemed like open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like I just want to, my, I don't know, my... I don't want to think say reservations not the right word but I just want to make sure it's done very well yeah like, of I course. want it to be the of same course. quality that the coating on there is now just because it yes. is something so special and I don't it's want very it special to yeah be ruined or like yeah if it's like some weird thing that starts turning your neck green yeah <laughs> I don't want actual copper obviously because that would leave a weird um, green ring around my neck I'd look like I had gangrene or something yeah it's just yeah figuring out how the yeah get it done at the same quality yeah and I guess since we've had been talking about that it's made me think too about like what you know what I originally wrote in my submission contract or collar contract collar agreement what do we call that collar contract just just contract which was something when I was coming back from the trip I was on Temba asked me to write a contract about the collar um, in, yeah, I guess I was coming back from Norway and, 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 um, in preparation for him collaring me. Remember we were going to do like a collar ceremony and we just couldn't wait. We just did it. <laughs> <laughs> just did it. Yeah. Um, and I think like when I look and read that, it, it signifies like so much the feelings not like the feelings that I was so overwhelmed with at that time. And Mm -hmm. it's not that they're not that it's like, obviously the feelings of like overwhelmed with like a love that I didn't know exist are different than living in a love that I didn't know exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot in that. I haven't read through that contract, but I have started to write a new contract. Oh, cool. Um, because I want to wear the collar as a symbol. I think in the beginning it symboled this commitment that we made to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. But that commitment was also to remain open to and fluid, like you were saying, fluid to the changes that happen in a relationship. So I almost feel like I want to wear that collar now still as that same, like, ring symbol of commitment that like an engagement ring has Mm -hmm. but let it sort of speak to the fact that we are individuals who grow and our needs grow and our needs change and that we're going to continue to move with one another through those you know Mm -hmm. because I think the original contract is very like extremely worshipful which I know you love I like a good worship (laughs) and it's a great and it's really a great contract um, that, like, will still exist and I'd like to still honor as part of the collar. You know what I mean? Yeah. That this was, like, one dimension of the life of this agreement, you know? But that the agreement 
uh, can change and not even change, but just grow, you know? Yeah. Because I think, like I said, I'd never wanted to be, I've never felt the desire to be submissive. I feel more like a dominant. And there's something in the collar that I want to assert my dominance, especially because we've discovered since then that co-topping is something that we enjoy doing together. Yeah. You know? What are you going to say? Oh, I guess, yeah, that's a, I guess a question I, I've had from our conversations about it, at least thinking my own, uh, because the, to me, at least from my point of view, the collar doesn't really influence anything outside of you, you and I's mm. power play. And I think the way it's enacted is fairly fluid I think compared to I mean it's, I think it's weird it's, to compare it well, to no, anyone else. but I think it's thing, fluid but... compared to what I even wrote initially yeah. which is part of why I want to revise it yeah but I it, think I guess... like I think the like words that I put on paper um were an ideal and then there's like the reality of what we've created mm-hmm. organically together do you know what I mean yeah I hear you um but I don't think I guess us co-topping other people has nothing to do with a submissive yeah our our power play dynamic right. unless we are incorporating that into whatever said scene is well which i think can happen you know what i mean like... i mean it could but i don't think you know if it's like we're planning the scene we're like hey we are meeting as equals power play us big d them little mm-hmm. ass um, like, to me, it seems completely out of line for me to try to pull rank in that. I'm not saying you would. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm not but saying But I just you mean, would. like, I guess in in my head, like, it, like, our power play commitment doesn't have any bearing on that. No, I just, when I think of, like, the, the when I read the contract that I wrote mm-hmm. when I put it on, I want, there's no, there is, there is space that I wrote into that contract for what I need and Mm -hmm. what I want. But I think I'm realizing that there's like a space for, I think there's a way of under like wearing the collar with an understanding that I'm a switch. You know what I mean? That I'm not maybe even, uh, that it's not a a collar of submission. It's a collar of my devotion and commitment to you as a switch. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't think I can identify as just a submissive. Yeah, I don't think to me I guess the color doesn't doesn't change like your dominant tendencies or that you want to explore your dominant side at all. It just has to do with I guess more the dynamic that we're exploring together. Yeah, but I I feel like that like we like we had the conversation about exploring that dynamic to it's like about expanding how we explore that dynamic together. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I don't know. I just I, I don't see how that impedes that. I just think it's a way for me to symbolically rethink why I'm wearing that collar. Mm-hmm. And part of that symbology is about a more active acknowledgement of this other aspect of DS that in our three years together, in my three years of wearing the collar, I've spent less time exploring. Mm-hmm. 
And it's a way of being like, and now moving forward, this is going to be an active part of my, me, the person wearing the collar, my personal exploration. Because mm-hmm. I guess, I guess it's hard to explain psychologically what wearing a collar every day does. And I think I have tried to explain that to you. Like it, yeah. it has a psychological effect. Yeah. It has an effect on, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, ha- it, it has a psychological effect on you to wear a collar every day. Mm-hmm. A, a heavy piece of metal that changes the way I like sleep literally you know um so I think for me I want to re re if you'll allow me re put the collar on Don't stop you from doing anything. I know but it's a gift that you gave me like yeah. it's still it's still a gift that you gave me and I'm asking to re commit through this gift as a symbol but re recommit acknowledging all the different kinds of growth that have occurred since I first put it on. Yeah. You know? And if that's just an acknowledgement, like I hear what you're saying, it doesn't change the way we play together. Yeah. It just it's a recommitment and it's an it's acknowledge it's an acknowledgement of something that I need acknowledgement of within our mutual exploration of DS dynamics. Yeah. It's just a way of bringing something to the forefront that I, uh, by no fault of either of ours, have let move to the back. Yeah. I want to bring it more to the forward. And that's just, like, my desire to uh, expand and explore uh, the dominant roles that I am interested in playing, you know? Yeah. But it's, I think it's difficult it's like it's like if you imagine like a a conventional couple and their wedding rings, you know, taking that ring off, I would imagine for most couples and being like I, I think that can be like I think wearing a ring has a similar psychological impact, you know why why is that such a potent overriding symbol of commitment, you know? I don't know. Mostly uh, commercial programming. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Well, and you know what I mean? Like, it's that's... I just think there's, like... Anything that you wear every day has an effect on you. Yeah, I mean, it can't help but not, you know... You get accustomed to whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, But, I mean... And it symbolizes things to people. People who are trying to hit on someone at a bar check to see if they're wearing a wedding ring, you know? Yeah. Not everybody knows what my collar means, but I get I get compliments and comments on it every single day that I wear it, you know? Um, whether people know what they're looking at or not. They know that it holds power, it seems like, almost, you know? Yeah. They're aware of it being special somehow. I mean, it's a really beautiful piece, you know? But, uh... Yeah, I just think those, I think, like, us being willing and open to rethinking these things as we go is one of the strengths of our relationship, you know? Of course, yeah. Of not being rigid, even though I would say I tend to fall into a more rigid category. (laughs) I I mean, it's it's not something I'm proud of, but, like, I'm the kind of person who... 
can feel comfortable doing the same thing for a long time. You yeah. Know? I, I'm not, it's not like I eat steamed broccoli every day or something, but like I'll sit at home for like five days without talking to anybody and be pretty chill with that, you know, like yeah. I'm just, um, but that is one of the things that you bring to my life, you know, as much as I hope I can show you that like being at home can be fun because <laughs> we have a lot of fun here. Definitely. I mean. I feel like maybe it's, like, I'm not, I don't need to be going out every night, stuff like that. I think you definitely can attest that I'm not trying to go party every night. No. (laughs) Um, No, but you really appreciate when we go and do stuff. Definitely, yeah. (laughs) I like a good, you know, contrast. Like, I, Mm. I really appreciate my alone time. Like, sometimes, sometimes, depending on, like, the vibe of the place where you're going can be very overwhelming for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I like meeting new people, but I like, I like it in certain ways. Yeah. What's an example? (laughs) Uh, like, I like dancing, like low pressure stuff. I don't like sitting around small talk. I don't, yeah. Like that party the other night was like tearing you out. I don't really like, which party? The dinner party we went to? Most recently? Yeah. Like two days ago. No, that was fine. Okay. Like, it took me a little bit to warm up, but mm. that's that's just me because I'm kind of shy. Yeah. But I had fun there. Um, but, uh, what was I saying? I can't remember where we were. We were somewhere, and it was, like, really loud, and people were trying to have, like, normal conversations. I'm just like, I can't handle this. Like At Naval? Yeah, navel. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very, like, I don't know. I'm very sensitive. Like, my ears are super sensitive. Not like I, like, can't handle loud music, but I can't focus on a conversation mm-hmm. when there's loud music going on because it's, like, my ears are being pulled to, like, the loudness of the thing. And, like, yeah. It's so interesting how you, like, always tease me about not being able to multitask. But I can do that situation yeah. so well. <laughs> like, you see me. Like, yeah. I can really engage and connect with people and be, like... Wow, I had a great conversation. Meanwhile, Tamba's like over there, like, I'm like twitching, twitching internally. I'm like yeah. too much overstimulation. Like loud music equals dancing, not yeah. serious conversation. Whereas where I'm at home and like you're trying to talk to me while the TV's going and I'm looking at my phone, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why are so many things happening? Because to me, home is where you like focus on one thing. Yeah, and you just like do that one thing. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, you're not, no, it's not like, I think that's, I think that's like maybe an expectation I had about you because in the beginning of our relationship, we were maybe going out more and stuff. It seems like maybe, I don't really know. Hmm. Maybe. I think it's just something you do when you like meet, because like a lot of times you meet people dating by going out and doing yeah, stuff. So then yeah. it's like you're going out and doing like stuff a... for a while until it's like, wait, are we just going to, now are we just going to yeah. get into the Netflix zone? Or what it's like a little bit here? of a buffer too, because you're like, you know, you're feeling each yeah. other and you're like, oh, do I want to be trapped in a room alone with this sure. person for a while? Sure. Like, having, yeah, having something to do is like, you know, it's an experience to share. You're, yeah. bu- you're building, um, building experiences together. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I saying? I don't know. We're, I think we give, we do, we do balance each other For out. Sure. But I wor- I always worry about like, oh, am, am I bogarting the type of energy I like in my life by hanging out at home all the time, you know? Mm. But I think that's like, 
that's like where there's a it's a good thing when you're like this there's this thing going on let's go do it and if I have the reserves to go do it I'll do it you know or like I don't know I'm having a, a something about summer can, and the heat can make you want to go out and do more things so I'm yeah. trying to be more like these are things I genuinely want to go to so let's go to them you're trying to get your hot girl summer on mm-hmm, I'm trying to get my hot girl summer on I'm trying to get my shit dick summer on well <laughs> we can talk about that what is shit dick summer uh, you probably describe it better than me. It was something, it was, it was a joke someone made? It was a Twitter pe- joke someone made where they were like, as a protest, uh, a so protest tops. against tops who complain about getting dick on their, getting shit on getting their Getting shit on their dick. All bottoms are not douching or I'm doing an enema for the rest of the summer. Bring it on shit dick summer or something like that. Yeah. I can't find the original tweet. I don't know if it got deleted, but yep. Yeah. Tub is excited I'm not, I'm not, about it. I'm not scared of poop. <laughs> Bring on shit dick summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, speaking of, so after we got, we kind of had a conversation where we, we really checked in about where we are in our sex life and some of the things we want to do to keep it all fresh and sexy and exciting. Um, then we went and did like, we had, we've had some pretty good like anal play sessions, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, because I know Tumba loves the old anal play, and I love it, too. We're into butts. We're into butt stuff, and, uh, yeah, wow, that was an exciting time in my life, because I think I had the enemas come out, like, the clearest they've ever been, which made me so excited to have anal sex, because even if you don't mind a little shit on your dick, you know how mortifying it can be. Definitely. No one wants to be the person that got poop on someone else. Yes, you know that... I mean, unless you're into that. Right. No shade. Right, no. no. But it can be, even if the other person is comfortable with it, it can be still just like, wow, you really... That's my shit. Yeah. (laughs) That's my shit. It's usually supposed to go in the toilet or in the privacy of my wiping it off or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that was... I don't know. I love me some good... uh, Some good enema stuff. It's fun for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, between us, it's fun for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm, fi- I'm finding it within myself to also uh, uh, be more open to doing some dating, some group dating. Yeah. And we have a date this weekend. We have a date this weekend. With a 22-year-old person. Right, which is within <laughs> the range, I think. Um, but I was, well, we shouldn't talk too much about it. We don't know if no, they no. listen to our podcast. <laughs> we have no idea. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, and I feel like it's fair for me to be honest about the fact that there are times when I will have that extra reserve and there are times when I won't, you know. For sure. And I'm always going to do my best to respect that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we were even talking yeah. about like, okay, well, what kind of things would I want to do that would be of interest to me? Like, for example, finding like a... Uh, submissive to come clean our house or something like that Mm -hmm. and when you ask me okay you want to do that I'm like well that seems like a lot of work (laughs) like yes I want to do it but and I have to put in the effort to get it done you know and that will come like to me those things uh the way I function I guess is that when the need becomes greater than the effort it takes to fulfill the need, then I'll fulfill the need, you know what I mean? But, like, that's not... I've noticed in, like, the past, I want to say, like, five years or so, I've noticed that my sex drive in general is not the way it was when I was 
in my early in my earlier 20s in my mid-20s and part part of that is because I was in a relationship for seven and a half years I was 24 when I ended that relationship so I'd only slept with one person until I was 24 Mm -hmm. so I was like holy shit I'm gonna go sleep with everybody and the drive to just have as many experiences as possible which I most certainly did (laughs) was all it took you know what I mean but after having a bunch of really interesting and varied experiences uh, it's like that drive it just changed you know and it was more like my drive was to connect with people I really cared about and connect with people I felt a strong affinity for or love for care for or you know so it's like that because that what I was looking for changed it changed the like force of the drive Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's still where I am where like I want new experiences yes but mostly just want caring loving like generative interpersonal experiences that may or may not involve sex you know yeah and that's like more of the drive for me and even that's not that strong of a drive it's just like yeah I hope I meet cool people and we connect and (laughs) you know but, but I know it's different for you with the testosterone having. Well, I mean, it's, I, I want those things too. I guess it's more like, I, I guess I, I go about it in a different sort of proactive way, I guess. It's like, hey, if I want to have these experiences, if I want to meet cool people that, I, you know, connect with, not just, I'm not, I mean, I'm not closed off to having the experience of, oh, we're out somewhere and we meet someone really cool and we end up hooking up, like, that's mm-hmm. not, I'm not, like, closed off to that experience, but that's not, like, the driving kind of force for me, but it's, like, I, w- I want to meet people that I really connect with, that we really connect with, too, you know, but I guess it just feels like I get to go meet those people or meet people to find people that Mm -hmm. are that you know Mm -hmm. um do you want to share like kind of some of the realization you had about that about like the difference yeah I don't know some of that comes from at least a strong drive to get to kind of seek out the thing experiences that I want I mean part of it comes from of course like uh like social programming as someone who was born in a male body, even though I was mostly raised outside of m- much of, uh, like, the dominant culture here, like, I was still a teenager in all of that, so yeah. I still got some of that, and it's like, you know, guys are s- socialized to be an aggressor, to get the th- go after what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that's not really, at least in relationships, that's not where I find the most joy. I actually really like being pursued. That is more, you know, by, in, in like a respectful manner, not like, you know, hounded or anything like that. It's not, that's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, where was I going? So, so there's the, like the social programming. Um, there's also how I present to the world, which is a black dude, which I don't know if you guys are in any sex positive 
BDSM, whatever, circles, um, there's not a whole lot of brown people there. Um, and the same prejudices that are out in the regular world are in all the sex positive communities. Um, so there's, I mean, there are some people that are into what I have, but through those, you have to filter out people that are just like doing like black fetishists and all that. And like, mm -hmm. not that I'm against those, but it's like, you can, you can kind of tell when it's coming from not the best place. From a racist and, place. Yeah. There's a lot of racist race play. And so they're like, you know, as a black dude, like you don't really, it's not, I don't have the same opportunities available to me. Like, for example, for, as you, as like an attractive white woman. Right. And I think, I think race obviously plays into it too, but I would guess that there are also a lot of white guys who feel like they don't have that many opportunities because it's an enculturation thing of, I need to be the pursuer and yeah. wait, just wait to get pursued. There's that too, but white guys aren't seen, there's no, there's not the same, they're not there's not the same, uh, there's not the same social, uh, 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 prejudice as of white guys as predator sexual predators mm. like that was a huge part of racism in the south and mm -hmm. helps inform how white people feel about black men today mm -hmm. is that we're aggressive we're violent we're xyz all these bad things like black mm -hmm. women too were painted as being sexually aggressive and all these other mm -hmm. things and if you and if you do have a date with someone, you also have to parse out if they're just fetishizing you, just treating you as a sexual partner and nothing else, right? Yeah. Even if you're seeking a, a deeper connection. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's not necessarily bad, because sometimes that is something I, in the past, I have been looking for. Like, sometimes, you know, de depending on what you're into, sometimes it's fun to be fetishized, to to know that someone wants you for whatever they're... they're yeah thought that they, you have a big black dick and are going to come destroy them or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, where was I? Also, there's, well, you know, like, after we had a really deep conversation of kind of like, what are our wants? What are the things that, you know, we're, we're trying to explore sexually? Um, like, thinking about that kind of... Uh, my, my need to pursue those things Your also urgency, urgency yeah, yeah kind of comes from also growing up as um like the way I grew up like I, I tried to kill myself when I was I think like 11 or 12 and um there's an urgency with life there I feel like like when I was younger I didn't think I would make it to like I don't remember what the age was like my young 25, 20s 25 something like that there's also you know um, inner city black kids do not, do not, or have a much higher death rate than like the other life expect like the life expectancy of black men is like the lowest. Yeah, isn't it? I I want to say yes. Yeah. So there there was also that it was like I have to do everything I can do like while I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. Um. So you feel like that's pervaded. A lot of your thought, a lot of your thoughts about having the experiences you want to have. Yeah, not just sexually, like yeah. It feels like your time is limited and the facts would not. Yeah, it's kind of like, that. hey, we're I'm able bodied now. I'm cute ish now. Like, very fucking, cute. <laughs> fucking, but we wouldn't use the word cute. He's extremely hot. <laughs> I have to get everything in now because I don't know like, if I'm going to make it any farther. Um, 
But I think they're, I don't know, having that realization and kind of, you know, hearing, hearing again and seeing how you approach things too is like helped me like try to not only recognize those things, but like think about like, Hey, okay. It's okay to want things and to go after the things you want, but you know, is it, are you going after those at the cost of other things in your life or, you know, just to, to think about and to temper some of that and, and, and that there are other ways of going about getting what you want. Right. And you coming to that realization has helped me really understand where your sense of urgency comes from Mm -hmm. in a, in a totally new way. Cause we've had many conversations over the course of our time together about the difference in our approaches, yours being one of marked by more urgency and mine being one marked by more passivity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been like a hard bridge to cross to understand why we see things so differently. But I feel like continue, even when it starts to feel like a broken record at times, we've continued to have that conversation and you've come to this realization that now gives me so much more insight than I've ever had before. You know, because mm-hmm. that's not something that I would have inferred. It's not a part of it, the experience that I've had. It's not something that I could really imagine about your experience, you know. Um, so knowing knowing that and seeing that has helped me feel more, I think, compassionate towards your way of doing things, you know, of mm-hmm. seeking out experiences, which allows me to kind of just like feel more relaxed about seeking them with you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and God damn, it takes a lot of communication to get there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, we're always but, like telling these people who follow our sacred sadism account, communication, communication, communication. It's like, no, really, there's literally no other way. And you're not going to get the answer on the first conversation no. all the time. You're not going to get it on the 10th conversation. Like we maybe got uh, closer to an answer of understanding after our like 27th conversation about the thing. Yeah. You know, but I feel like that I don't know. That's something that ability, that ability, and our commitment to talking things out, mm. like, is something I I really treasure. Because like, even though some of the conversations have been difficult, you know, and we've we both felt upset um, by some of the things we've talked about. Like, I'm super grateful for all of those moments and that ability that we have to do that because. Yeah, each time we do it, I not only feel closer to you, mm-hmm. I understand you better, I understand myself better, mm-hmm. and it's just, I don't know how to describe it, it's just, it's kind of a magical thing, yeah. and it's it's very simple in concept, but it's also, it's difficult sometimes. In practice. In practice, yeah. Because yeah, you touch on things that, like, you've maybe never touched on out loud or to yourself with another yeah. person, like things that you couldn't say to a therapist, maybe. But and, maybe we could, but like, yeah. may, you know. But. Or have, yeah, have shit pointed out to you yeah. by someone else who has a different perspective that you're, you know, that you may not have realized about yourself. Yeah. But. Yeah, and it makes you able to have to uh, articulate it and keep articulating it as it changes too which can be really difficult i think it's like as you as you change and grow too it's like oh well you know i thought you were like this and now it's like this and it's like well yeah we did get in this to change and grow together yeah we didn't get in this to like stagnate and stay the same you know so it's to be that's 
to be able to continue to articulate through growth yeah. is like difficult too because I, I would say um, from my one long term relationship that I was in the there's like a passivity that can come in that's like this is who we are this is how we act and that's that and I think that happens to a lot of people in long term relationships where you you calcify into your roles mm-hmm. And you just expect that that other person's in that role, even if that person's doing all this growth and change and, and you know, reconsideration uh, from within. And then when one day that cocoon busts open and they're that person who they've been working what on becoming. Hell? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, let's not create those cocoons. No. Let's be a cocoon. Let's be a place of growth in this house, you know? And, yeah. Support each other as well as we both grow individually and together. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking about kind of like the way we describe, um, communication. And I, I feel like it could be good if we could figure out not just you and I, like the collective, you, us humans, um, better language maybe for, for communication. It is work, but I feel it's, it's almost harder to not communicate in your relationships Mm -hmm. because, then you're pretending and you're you're hiding maybe not hiding your true self but you're not being fully open with that with that and that does yourself a disservice and the people around you a disservice not doesn't necessarily have to be a, a romantic relationship but yeah your relationships in general and you know we are not stagnant beings we're always growing we're always changing to mm-hmm different degrees you know what i learned though and this this like still leaves a sour taste in my mouth i was in a relationship like a year before i met you Mm -hmm. and one of the things at the end of that relationship that this person said to me that like i can't help but think is like indicative of culture at large status quo at large um is he was like you know at some point i just don't you know all you want to do is like grow and talk and change and at some point i just don't want to grow anymore (laughs) And this is literally what that person said to me. And I was just like, <gasps> I was like, full forward. I was like, wait, this is not just one person who feels like this. Like, there yeah. are actually a lot of people who don't want to grow, who don't want to change, who don't want to go through that constant, somewhat constant fire of transformation, you yeah. know? And like, hearing that was just like, great for me, because I was also like, that's right. That's like a no, that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. I only want to be with people who want to grow. And for me to have to have that person say that was just it was a weight cuz I was like, well, I know this is not the right person for me. Yeah. You know, someone who's like uh, someone who doesn't want to grow. Like how did I even get myself into this <laughs> mess? Like how did I do that? But that's cuz that was the first time that person had ever told me that. They'd showed it to me in numerous other ways, which yeah. is why there was conflict and why our relationship didn't last they'd shown that that was where they were where they were but to actually hear it was actually a great like like awful but also a great relief yeah so i was like they are showing me who they are and that doesn't mean that person's not gonna grow that doesn't mean that that person's not going to change and grow but it's you're never gonna stop it maybe you're not taking an active role mm, in working on yourself but mm. you're not gonna stop it like right and like you said it's doing a disservice if you're not willing to yeah you're you're sw- trying to swim upstream if you're just gonna like, be like i'm set i've got my house and my job and my money and like probably a girlfriend or somebody that looks good to have and like that now my growth is done yeah 
and that, but that does seem to be that. I mean, that is like a status quo kind yeah. of resting place, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. That's that's kind of what so many people are fed. You're like you check these boxes and your life is good. Mm. It's like you and get then the your job. Is you go to done. no more yeah. pain. You go to school. You get the job. <laughs> you get married. You have the kids. You buy the house. Yeah. And yeah, then you just I don't know. That shit blew but. my mind. I still, I still like, la- I laugh when I think back on it because I'm like, how was I? I mean, obviously that relationship was for my growth, but I'm like, yeah. how did I get into a relationship with someone who literally doesn't want to grow? And how do we all, we have all been in something, whether the person says it flat out or not, somewhere where someone doesn't want to grow yeah. with you or without you or whatever. And- in various aspects, you know, we've all been that person to some sure. degree as well, you know. Sure. And, yeah. I mean, what you were saying about, like, this mask or whatever, the that it takes more work to perform, mm-hmm. right? But I think that that's also, like, a very, very common, like, maintenance of identity thing that humans do where, like, you've structured your identity you've gone through the steps to like prove that the identity you've chosen is the one you belong to and belong in and then you have to maintain it yeah and you have to maintain it through all these different performative antics that you go about every single day and that just seems like fuck not to say that i don't do that you don't do that we all all, maintain our identities because to not maintain an identity can be extremely painful but i do expect to abolish my identity several times over over the course of my lifetime like i have before it will come again you know but i think i think for for people that are in that position it seems easier to do that to hold up that facade because it is culturally supported and socially supported yeah but i think that's changing it's starting to slowly depend i mean depending depending who you're around where you are but I mean, I, it, it's very, it's tied into, like, kind of everything we've been talking about. It's tied into, like, the structure of domination and power. It's mm. tied into capitalism. It's, But all these things are starting to break down. Like, people aren't happy, mm. you know, not living their true selves. Like, I can't remember the person who wrote this book about depression, but... Um, Oh, God, I was listening to some podcast that interview on it. And it was talking about, like, the real roots of depression, like, why there's such an epidemic in this country with depression is because we are living in a bullshit, like, culture, like, that mm-hmm. does not support people mm-hmm. and doesn't support people, like, following what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And that, at its core, is, like, destroying people. Mm-hmm. But making pharmaceutical industry very rich. Very rich, yeah. It's making, it's <laughs> it's making, making a lot of... Somebody think that they're doing good. A lot of capitalist ventures very rich. Because, you know, if you have little drones that are willing to come mm. in and do your bullshit. Can I switch gears for a second and ask your opinion on something? Sure. <laughs> I want to know what you think of Instagram getting rid of the likes. And I'm, I'm saying this in relationship to uh, in relation to identity management, because I think like social media is a major uh, platform and theatrical space for people to manage their identity mm. identities. What do you think is going to happen when there's no longer a like metric to measure how well you've performed your identity on Instagram? Well, Okay, so I haven't read about this, but I'm just going to try to pair it back to you, what I remember you telling me about about it. Mm-hmm. So, it, basically, like, if I'm looking at my Instagram, I can see the likes I got just yeah. 
none of my followers or anyone that looks at my page can see. No one else can see. I don't think it's going to change that much because the people, because people are still, people are still going to be able to see the likes they're getting and the algorithm is still going to be running the same. But are we still going to give likes at the same rate if you know that the, that the likes no longer have a public, have like a public Mm. showing? I, I don't. So. Th- I don't think I will, because I'll Cause... tell you. Because I'll tell you one thing that I do. Um, it's not. I'm not stingy with likes. I'll like stuff, right? Yeah. But on days where I post something, I'll go through and like everybody's stuff mm-hmm. because it increases your visibility to them, and then they might go back to you. Or if you appear very active, we don't know how the algorithm totally works, right? Yeah. But I notice that when I do that, there appears to be more engagement on my post. It could be. I could be wrong, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that kind of thing, a like tit for tat kind of attention economy that already exists, if the economy is not visible and no one can like show how popular they are, it's people aren't going to exchange that currency anymore. There'll still be a follower account though. Yeah. And, but... and the person that's the person you like will see you liking, so then they they're more likely to be like, Oh, what's Genevieve doing? I just think people aren't going to like anymore. You don't think so? No. But if you listeners have any ideas, you know, look up Instagram is getting rid of likes. Uh, Let us know what you think, because I think this is going to be a very interesting moment. I'm crossing my fingers that this will be the death of Instagram. (laughs) I am crossing my fingers. My prediction is it's not going to do shit. I think it's... here's, Here's also another theory is, like, I've noticed that, like, People spend so much time and energy now being like, new post, but I'll do this to you sometimes. New post. Oh, and their stories. Check out my new post. Hey, Instagram's hiding. If you guys could engage with this, da-da-da-da-da. There's all this, like, begging. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much begging for engagement because the idea is that engagement boosts your visibility. Which we, again, might be true, might not. No one knows the special formula for uh, visibility in the Instagram algorithms. But people are always begging. So it's like, if people can't see um, likes anymore, you can be like, please beg. I haven't gotten any engagement, but there's no accountability. So people aren't going to know. that You you can see somebody begging for likes, but you're not going to know how many likes they have. Yeah. Um, You're not. There can be some accounts who I think will just be completely erased like they won't be shown to anybody and because there's no likes to show there's no likes to show other people i mean that's happening now though yeah exactly I, and i think it's all good i think if anything it can like maybe like encourage people to just like leave and we can just stop all this nonsense and go to tic- <laughs> and move to tiktok <laughs> or something because i mean what a, it's just like it's it's gotten it's so stagnant it's so bad such a bad place and for in terms of maintaining identity it's just like i feel kind of like i feel kind of like bad every time i post i'm just like really? i hate the performative antics of it it's like no matter what it's like why am i doing this you know i feel like there's very few times where i post and i'm like i feel great i feel happy <laughs> i'm Woohoo. Woohoo. I posted. I'm just like, this is the thing I think I'm supposed to be doing to, like, uh, you know, engage with people I know or vaguely know or don't know at all, whatever. Yeah. To remind people I exist. It's like, to me, it is like a very bleak uh, reminder that our lives are uh, meaningless. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have to say to that? 
I don't know. I don't. My my identity is not tied to social media, so it's I don't like. I like po- I like putting like usually it's something like that I'm proud of creating or whatever a photo mm-hmm. I've taken or something. Or, but you got upset like when they like, kept taking your thing down. Obviously, that's because it's like yeah, obvious policing of yeah, your body. You know? Yeah, that I mean. Yeah, I was upset by that because it's like it did not violate any of the right and lots of other and white women have yeah, similar pictures up yeah or men to be honest it's taken down because yeah my skin color and my, my perceived gender mm-hmm. um and yeah it was something that creatively I was proud of doing and yeah in a in a space where I followed the rules mm. to have it yeah ripped down just like what the fuck yeah but i don't know how far along are we we're over an hour it's it's pretty hot in here yeah we can end it i guess okay well thank you guys for listening to us talk through our continuing evolution as an instagram power couple (laughs) (laughs) don't tell me don't i don't know if we're an instagram power couple don't tell me your identity is not tied up in instagram (laughs) I'm going to add that to my bio. Yeah. <laughs> power couple wow. with at power, gorgeous tabs. Power couple goals. <laughs> I don't know. I that, that account brings me no joy anymore. And for those of you who are just listening to our podcast because I posted about it on Sacred Sadism, and just know that uh, the person putting all that content that some of you say is so inspiring out there is a little disillusioned by the whole thing because it's a it's a garbage platform the idea of running a small business is a garbage idea we can get into that on a different plot on a different podcast maybe we talked about it on the last one a little bit maybe but uh the whole thing is just garbage you can't say it doesn't bring you any joy we love reading name or okay the best part of our instagram is reading all y'all's like nasty names like snake prostate (laughs) it's like probably my favorite one snake prostate it's like a penis it's like a long squiggly penis that has its own prostate (laughs) and teeth (laughs) and and little eyes but okay i'm being i'm being nihilistic like there are things i do love about it but i'm also very much a cynic uh, and 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 i have always been a a a critic critic a critic of uh, social media while I gleefully indulge in it at the same time. So, whatever. I'm a multifaceted being. Humans are contradictions. <laughs> we are contradictions. <laughs> but, um, anything else? No, that's it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll pop back in when we pop back in. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K. Halitosis, cosmic halitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps, and Temba is Tembizzle, T E M B I Z Z L E. Thanks for listening.